Welcome down to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf, powered by the beautiful people over at 4Golf Custom. Get your tour-level custom-fitting experience today. I was actually there last week. Something big, the, a new whopper, is going into the bag. And if you understand that analogy, thank you for following me on Instagram. Um, this week's episode, well, it's all about the JP McManus Pro-Am at the Adair Manor Hotel and Golf Course, which I was privileged to be at. Courtesy, of course, of, thanks to Derek. Uh, maybe we'll get into that at the um, latter stages of this episode. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about everything. Uh, the J.P. McManus Prime history. How does J.P. amass such a field? The Tiger Woods and J.P. McManus relationship. The manor itself. It's a calendar building. The folks I carried for didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Um... When I was talking about that, we talk about the golf course, of course. Um, we talk about the tournament schedule of the JP McManus itself. If you're a player and player and participating, the format, the gift bags, the winners, the charities, who it's all for. My experience, I've said for last, and um, we'll bore you with that at the end. And then your questions. Um, so thank you all for getting involved this week. It was a majestic couple of days down in Adair and uh, the weather was very good to us so yeah let's get started roll it there kill it Okay, folks, just like last week, let's get stuck in with the history lesson, the J.P. McManus Pro-Am to date. Well, it teed off for the first time in 1990 at the other side of Limerick at Limerick Golf Club with the aim of, aiming, with the aim of raising much-needed funds for charities and organisations in the Midwest region. So it's still the same mission today. And back then, it, it attracted many of your professional golfers at the time. Philip Walton, Chris O'Connell Jr., God rest him, Des Smith, who I actually met on Monday, Brian Barnes, uh, Bill Longmore, Paulway, Eamon Darcy and um, Richard Boxall. 42 teams, one professional, two other players and they raised 1.2 million for local charities back in 1990. Uh, Pre-Celtic Tiger, uh, I was three years of age. <laughs> uh, Roger Chapman took home the trophy that year. The next event took place five years later uh, and the European Tour became more involved with the management of the tournament that year. Uh, this augmented the stature and profile of the Pro-Am among European and US professionals as well as spectators. And attracted many more professional golfers including three legendary members of the US PGA Seniors Tour, Jim Colbert, Bob Murphy and Tom Wargo. And it was left to Englishman Paul Broadhurst and Richard Bozal to share the trophy. However, many of the younger professionals who participated went on to become one of the leading names in the sport. Michael Campbell, Darren Clark, Lee Westwood, Paul McGinley, and Sky Sports, Andrew Coltart. The funds raised on that occasion increased to almost 4 million euro. Another five years passed. 2000, the Prime was once again hosted at Limerick Golf Club. 15,000 people enjoyed two fantastic days of golf, witnessing then world number one Tiger Woods securing victory. The young golfing superstar fended off some of the world's leading players that year. David Duval, Stuart Appleby, Patrick Harrington, Thomas Bjorn, Lee Jansen, Mark Kamira. 
and claimed victory. It was a fruitful year for the then 25-year-old as he won three of the four major championships before completing the Tiger Slam in early 2001 at the Masters. Pro-Am spectators were lucky enough to witness Tiger competing in his most successful ever year. Among other sports personalities to compete that year were Alex Ferguson, Martin O'Neill, Keith Wood, who was there this week, Gary Lineker and Eddie Jordan. 19.8 million euro was raised. It moved to Dare Manor then in 2005, uh, with the tournament's profile increasing. Uh, the All-Star lineup again featured Tiger, Michael Campbell, Angel Cabrera, who's in prison somewhere these days, uh, Fred Couples, Dave Silver III, Ernie L, Sandy Lyle and Con Monty. Over 8,600 people played in pre-qualifying golf tournaments organised by local charities throughout the country and 12 charity teams qualified to play in the program. This year it was, it was kind of the same, I think there was four teams though qualified. Some famous faces made the trip that year, Bon Jovi drummer Tico Torres, Liverpool and Real Madrid striker Michael Owen and actor Peter Gallagher. In the end, there was one winner, Barry Carrington. And Charlie of Community Care fielded the successful overall winning team. As a result of two fantastic days of golf, 31 million was allocated to 56 charities in the Midwest region. 2010 really raised the profile though, and spectators were treated to an ever-increasing lineup of the world-class golfers from both tours. Um, three tours this year, let's not get into that. Uh, Tiger Woods, Lee Westwood, Ernie Els, Dustin Johnson, Martin Keimer, Jim Fury, Cosimo Rodriguez, Thomas Bjorn, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, <laughs> Henrik Stenson, JB Holmes, Ian Poulter, as well as Ron Roy, McElroy, Harrington, Shane Lowry, Graham McDowell and Paul McGinley were among the who's who of the world's best players. Amongst the many celebrities that year that supported the event were film stars Samuel L. Jackson, Hugh Grant, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. <coughs> there was over 40,000 visitors descended each day and they raised an excess of 43.7 million euro and Darren Clark walked away with the trophy that year. And now we move forward to this year. This week's just passed and many millions have been raised since 1990, exceeding 140 million, with all proceeds in their entirety going to the beneficiaries. The tournament's success stems from the genuine interest invested by all parties, including the golfers, the volunteers, supporters, media, public, you and me, the European Tour, and the organizing committee. The prime return this year for a COVID-delayed sixth staging this past Monday and Tuesday, the 4th and 5th of July, 2022. That's in case you're listening to this podcast in a couple of years' time. And it is hoped to attract um, much more support in the years going forward. But my God, there, there was, I think, like 50,000 people there each day this year. And spectators saw the who's who of international golfing superstars and the entertainment world participating. Xander Chauffe shot a new course record, 64, which was equaled by Paddy Harrington. Uh, on the Tuesday, but Xander shot that on his way to securing the trophy this year. And I heard in the days post, I almost said preceding there, but post the event that it's raised well in excess of 50 million euro uh, for all those charities in the Midwest. And who are these charities, you might ask? Well, you may be sure it's a mighty long list. And um, some I went to the, the website. And uh, some of the charities which benefited back in 2010, um, and there's there's plenty there, um, but a, but a few stuck out to me in terms of charities that really deserve all the funds that they can get, and that's the Daughters of Charity, Milford Hospice, Down Syndrome Ireland, Irish Red Cross, 
Irish Wheelchair Association, Cystic Fibrosis Ireland. And I must say thank you to everybody who donated to my little fundraiser. We raised over six, we were raised 680 quid for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland. So thank you all. And um, Shane Collins, happy you got the hats in time and we were able to enjoy both days with your dad. Um, other charities, Peter House, Charitable Child and Family Services and many, many more. And so a question that's been asked of me and that I heard, Jesus, 20, 30, 40, 50 times over the two days I was there is how does JP McManus get the best field in golf to play in a two-day exhibition? The, Mc- the JP McManus program this year had 10 of the top 11 or 12 players in the world rankings right now. And that was one question I heard plenty of times over the past few weeks, and especially Monday and Tuesday, was how does he entice the cream of the crop of the golf world to his pro am time and time again? And even in Tiger's uh, press conference on the Tuesday, called out JP, thanking him for all his support through the years, and said, whenever you have the next one, he's there. And every other pro am after that. I mean, that's some relationship, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, and T- Tiger won't be playing many events each year, what, three, four, five? And the JP McManus will be one of those. So you gotta think, you know, McManus has raised over 140 million from the first one that took place in 1990 and the most recent a decade ago, back in 2010. And I suppose how he got people, or gets people to the event, uh, actually part of Harrington revealed in a recent interview, he opened up as to how JP achieved such a feat. And he says, JP asked nicely. <laughs> and maybe that's all I have to do to get people to the Paddy Talks Golf Invitation at the latter end of this year. Uh, I'll ask nicely. But JP also supports every single player who comes to his Pro-Am. There's no appearance fees, no fees to go. And playing the JP McManus Pro-Am, JP will support those players for the rest of their lives and all of their charitable endeavours. That really is like serious, serious um support and, and relationship building stuff over decades uh, and whenever those players are running a charity event jp will be first on their list to support them anywhere around the world anybody helps jp out becomes a friendly jp and jp will always remember that and work with those players whatever they're doing and help them out it's a bit of a bonus then Patrick said that you're going to their manor and you're going to enjoy yourself it's one of the highlights of the year in ireland and it certainly was this year, and certainly in golf in terms, it's a huge highlight with all of the people that will be there, all of the pros over the time of their life. will have a great experience. But even though there's no appearance fees, and the fact that JP will support these players, they have a friend for life in the fact that they've come and played in the JP McManus's Pro-Am. And the family of that player, and the whole family of the player is there as well. JP's name might be out in front, but they will support whatever charitable endeavors players have going forward. Tiger Woods and J.P. McManus. So I heard a rumour that uh, they met in 1995 to Marco Mira and that then Tiger was at his first J.P. McManus, the actual second running of the event in 2000. And at the event, I, I alluded there already, Tiger thanked J.P. for hosting the successful promo event in Adair and says he's already looking forward to the next invite. He said he's gotten to know J.P. over all these years, wanted to say thank you for his involvement in the game of golf and that people have no idea the time and sacrifices JP has made in making all of their lives better, the players better, Tiger said. 
Speaking at the dinner held after the two-day event, Woods reflected on what the fundraiser has gone into over the years. He said he played his first event over 20 years ago and to see what it has become. The fact that JP has outdone it every time is pretty remarkable. Woods thanked JP for giving him the opportunity to explore Ireland throughout his trips here from Ballybunion to Connemara, all because JP has invited them. Woods also thanked all the players who came to participate. Uh, he went on to say the event raises so much money for the local charities and JP helps out so many people with um, with all the, the people present there and all of the people in our, of Ireland who have come and watched them play. He thanked all of all of us, you and me, everybody was there. And he'd never seen crowds like that for a program. He said he was blessed and very thankful to have the chance to be a part of the program, to see it grow to where it's at and thank JP. And they struggled over the last few years with, with COVID and not being able to have the event the fact that they're able to have the event uh, there in Adair again this year. He signed off with saying, sign him up for the next time. And he said that JP knows that and he's always told JP that. And um, it's truly remarkable what JP has done there. And he said all the players are there to support him. So yeah, that's pretty mind-blowing to, to think the Tiger Woods uh, still up and, and, you know, regale JP in the event like that. Uh, and to my knowledge, Tiger uh, got to know JP back in 1995. And since then, uh, JP's been a staunch supporter of Tiger, of his events, of the Tiger Woods Foundation, and has often provided Tiger and his family a private place to spend time, to holiday. Uh, even Tiger had his first wedding, I uh, was held at the JP McManus own St. Elaine Resort. So I think it's fair to say that it's not treatment just for Tiger, but it's how JP McManus treats all the golfers, all the people who have supported his pro and through the years, um, which would also pay to hardly an explanation of how J.P. McManus attracts such a star-studded field to the pro. The format, and I think a lot of spectators were confused as to the format as I was carrying around and picking up balls. I was told, hey, don't pick that up. Um, I was picking up the balls of the ones in the rough that weren't going to be picked. So the format is there's a field of 50 professionals, and this year it included our own LPGA Tour star Leona Maguire uh, and there's actually two events in one. There's a 36-hole stroke play tournament for the pros, so won by Xander this year, and a 36-hole net team event won by Team Jerry McManus. I believe he's related. <laughs> and I believe Jerry McManus has won at the Dunhill at the AT&T um, so serial uh, pro-am uh, champion. Uh, the team format for the pro element is a shamble, so it's a tour scramble, often known as, and it's a version of a Texas scramble, so the amateur must score net birdie or better to contribute to the team score. Par is your friend. If you're putting for par, just pick it up, right? Everyone gets par. You can't do worse than par. The professional generally selects the best tee shot of the whole team at each hole, and all three amateurs then play their second shot from this position and, and, and continue out until they make birdie or par net birdie, depending on their handicap. And um, if the selected tee shot is the professional's tee shot, he will play from there as well. If not, the, the two professional, he or she always plays her, his or hers tee shot. Um, so the pro plays their own ball. The prize money and amateur prizes. I didn't know this. The professionals actually play for a prize fund of 1 million euro, with the winner banking 250,000 and 10th place worth 30 grand. And I believe Shane, Padraig, Rory all finished within the top 10 this year. If there is a tie, there's a carrot countback, but that's 18 holes. If there's still a tie, the trophy is shared. Uh, there's another 800,000 on offer in the Pro-Am with the professional with the lowest combined team score, 
over the two days, picking up 200,000, with those finishing from 21st to 50th guaranteed 5,000 each. There's also a daily prize for a purse of 100 grand each day with the pro, with their best team score each day, winning 50,000. The gift bags. So, some of these are rumored, some of these are from the website. But, um, well, the gifts kept on coming for those uh, playing and competing. We'll start with the pro players. Uh, and these are ones I overheard, so it's not written down anywhere. And one we, we all know of if we were anywhere near a paper or a headline. But the pro player gift bags, although I didn't see any myself, were said to contain amongst, am- amongst of a few things, namely, a 10,000 euro gift card for wives and girlfriends to use in the Dare Village and a Breitling watch uh, worth multiples of thousands. So I think Breitlings start at like three and a half, four grand. So it definitely wasn't that one. Um, the amateur competitors, and I saw these a lot on Twitter, people were very delighted with what they were picking up. The tailor-made tour truck stayed around after the Irish Open and made its way to Dare Manor and custom fit every single amateur player and they all got a full set of tailor-made clubs custom fit and built to spec by a tailor-made on site and they all got a lovely green tailor-made stand bag with the JP McManus Pro-Am logo on the, on the back of it and the stealth drivers had custom green faces with the with the, the grooves were in gold JP McManus green and gold colours and um, each player got full apparel for each day as well so, so yeah. Entry for teams, uh, 250,000. So, yeah. How bad? Now, wherever you stand on Adair Manor Estate, you see the Manor House. So, history lesson two. The plans for the Manor House as it exists today began in 1832, and the house was built to the highest standards of the day by talented local craftspeople, and this is where my American friends that I was calling for didn't believe me. But it's actually an example of a rare calendar house. So if you're ever in a table quiz, uh, these are the answers you need. Uh, Adair Manor is adorned with 365 leaded windows, 52 ornate chimneys, 7 stone pillars and 4 towers to mark the annual tally of days, weeks and seasons in the year, so 365 windows for the days, 52 ornate chimneys for the weeks, and uh, four towers uh, to represent the seasons. The, ma- the manor house is reminiscent of a chateau, and it really is. I've been lucky enough to walk through it um, for the podcast last last year, episode 92, and it shares many features with uh, the 19th century Gothic revival in Britain and Ireland, and it drew inspiration from romantic views of the chivalric past. The building displays the wealth of gargoyles, heraldry, decorative stone and wood carvings. And many of these carvings show creatures and monsters from the beast tree, a medieval book of mythical beasts. The interior spaces are designed on a grand scale, my god, like the the gallery. Um, the most around is of course the gallery, 132 foot long, 26 and a half foot high, inspired by the Hall of Mirrors in Versailles, which actually I was lucky enough to go to as a teenager and completely took it um, as just some big castle. Um, and I have a much more a draw, a draw for it now. And um, yeah, like lined either side of the gallery with 17th century Flemish choir stalls. So yeah, by the 1860s, the grand project had transformed um, 
the family seat into a typical Georgian mansion, uh, into the romantic neo-Gothic gem now that is a dear manor. 840 acre estate that surrounds the, the house, the manor house, the calendar building, consists of sweeping parklands, cultivated gardens, formal French gardens, magnificent mature trees, the River Meg, of course, one of Ireland's best trout rivers, flows through the estate every which way. Uh, actually, among the trees southwest of the manor house, I must seek these out in my next visit, are Orgham stones. And they were brought to their manor from Kerry um, by the third ale of Dunraven, Edwin. And those stones actually date back to the early 5th century. Isn't that mad? Moving forward to 2022, you can, there's an entirety of different uh, activities compared to back then. Uh, should you ever choose to stay in a dare, rooms begin at around a thousand euro per night. And some of those activities include the Paddle Club, which is world-renowned already, I believe. A sports simulator, falconry, archery, fishing, swimming pool, gym, cycling, an Irish gun dog experience, clay shooting, game shooting, horse riding. I've seen the horse-drawn carriages around there before. You can do a woodland walk, historical tours, whiskey tasting. And if you do follow them on Instagram, the wine tasting looks incredible and there's way more activities as well would you believe uh, hi uh, Porik here uh, I'm a big fan of Sanctuary Synthetics had it installed in my back garden it's 11.1579684259.3 on the stimp meter which allow you to gauge the speed slope sound and smell of every pot. Well, there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. For your home pudding green, contact Keith in Sanctuary Synthetics on 045-901-970 or visit sanctuarysynthetics.ie. What about the course? Well, for a full run through the course, all the grasses, the complexes, the Faz, Tom Fazio, etc. That's all actually covered in episode 92 of this very podcast, where I sat down with David Bailey, Assistant Superintendent at Adair, in the boardroom of the Manor at Adair, in fact. For the program, though, the course was presented in supreme condition, gaudy condition, unprecedented condition, by Alan McDonald, who's the course superintendent, uh, and his team, including Dave. Uh, but here's the high level synopsis, right? Uh, of the course, I'll give you some background, and definitely everybody I spoke to. Um, who visited said Jesus I definitely have to come down here and play after be- after walking it for a couple of days it was originally designed by uh, Robert Trent Jones Sr. in 1995 and for 20 years highly respected had a couple of Irish Opens and was deeply admired and loved by golfers from all around the world uh, and Adair Manor began a spectacular redevelopment project of the Manor in 2016-17 which cost like in around 40 million I believe and it was decided then that the golf course also deserved a comprehensive redesign and they got renowned American golf course architect Tom Fazio uh, and they invited him to take on this impressive project of reimagining the golf course at a day and manner quite literally uh, from the ground up uh, 50 years of golf design experience Tom Fazio is responsible for some of the most iconic and award-winning courses across the United States and internationally and holds the record for um, the living designer, as in a designer who's still alive, with the most credits on Golf Digest's list of America's 100 greatest golf courses and golf with collection of America's best. And won the Golf Digest poll for best modern-day golf course architect so many times in a row that the contest was discontinued. 
Uh, Tom Fazio truly has designed a golf course at Adair, where each hole boasts distinct character and unique playability. Indeed, I watched Justin Thomas hit a second shot into one, and you like the, the pin was front right, and he used the embankment just short right of the green uh, to get access to that hole. And he's the only person I saw use that. So definitely unique playability on each hole. Uh, and Tom created a complete golf experience to satisfy all level of golfers, whether they play from the forward or back tees. His philosophy of design is all around highlighting the natural beauty and existing topography of a site and his genius for playable design shine through every step of it air, from the 1st to the 18th. So the order of the holes remains the same as in the routing, but everything else has been transformed. Every green, every tee has been rebuilt, redesigned from scratch with significant underground installations for drainage, new irrigation, water delivery systems, Every bunker has been replaced with the latest capillary concrete linear drainage technology. Didn't even know there was such a thing before I spoke with David last year. And all fairways and rust are a sand cap for the driest playable conditions. The golf course at Adair Manor is now one of the just a handful of courses worldwide that have the painted sub-air technology beneath every putting surface. So if you were walking around Adair and you were wondering what that home was, like, yeah, that one. That's the sub air, and that's either pumping moisture in or taking moisture out, which is the case in Ireland, it's the latter most of the time, of the greens. And it provides constant air movement for aeration and to moderate the temperature in the root zone. There's no long rough. That was a comment by everybody. That was a comment by um, John Rann about de-Americanizing the course, that there's no rough. Um, but yeah, they have a plan for that. So if, if you listen to episode 92, we get into about the rough for the Arctic Cup. It's a five-year growth plan, basically. And it's going to be like five or six inches and thick. Thicker than me, and that's thick. Um, with major golf events in mind, Fazio oversaw a robust infrastructure of roadways, hospitality areas, and access areas, ensuring services for tournament power, media, and telecommunications. So it's been built for a Ryder Cup. It's been built to host massive events. Is the course comparable to Augusta? Yes. Yes, it is. By all accounts, by visitors, uh, spectators, you and me, or, or people who've been to both events. I was in the group where one of the members, or one of, one of, one of the members of the group is a member at Augusta National. Uh, so yeah, I, I spoke to players, I overheard players, both the pros and amateurs, and Adair is equal in most, if not all, areas of comparison and better in some to Augusta National Golf Club. I'll just have to get an Augusta National experience someday to make my own comparisons. So my experience, right? My experience, well first of all I've got to say thanks to Derek Murray who gave me the opportunity to caddy in the first place. So Derek of 4Golf Custom who sponsored the podcast, thank you very much, which in turn I really need to thank John Carr because John Carr asked Derek and Derek asked me and I have to massive thank you and note of appreciation um, down on one knee to the JP Mc, to JP McManus and the McManus family who put on one of the best if not the best show in golf this past week I gotta give a massive thanks to 
Andy McMahon, Director of Golf, and to Mark Beckett, Assistant Golf Operations Manager, who, who had time for everyone, who had time for me, um, for, for discussions and a bit, a bit of banter, a bit of crack, and a bit of advice, and a bit of help. Um, so I have to thank those two people first. My experience. Well, my experience. Oh, man. Well, uh, we we drove up myself and Derek and Niall Malloy of the K-Club, who, who Derek had asked as the second person to carry in the group. Uh, we actually stayed in my house uh, near Lahinch in Clark Kilfernora, because um, it's about 50 minutes away, an hour away from there. So we, we had a experience. We had um, dinner and drinks in in um, in Lahinch on the Sunday night and we had a 5am start Monday morning Tuesday morning uh, in a day for 6.15 6.20 uh, we would parking in the BNC car park so actually quite close uh, so that was lovely that's thankful to, for pre-booking car parking um, <laughs> months ago and we got in got our free ice cream on the way in uh, well the, the, the ticket for us and we just stood in awe <laughs> we stood in awe of, of being in the places uh, and there was just a buzz there was a home of excitement even at that time in the morning half six I remember uh, we decided where we go we went on the range with water and red coffee it was well needed and even at 20 past six there was a, at least a 15 person queue uh, for coffee <laughs> and there wasn't the second day so everyone everyone was excited and everyone was in early on the on the Monday uh, we watched a few people on the range uh, and because we were caddies we got kind of access to in and around the carriage house uh, the, the clubhouse by all effects and it was crazy it was crazy and, it, and it's an environment I love being in at, at events I've been looking up to be somewhat inside the ropes but not inside the ropes if you get me uh, but kind of in and around where players are, are milling around and uh, for me that's that's good enough for me I, I, I don't want them to break into their private zone or, or take a second out of their day they're they're busy they've they get thousands without those requests each day i'm more than happy just being in their vicinity and being yet yeah, you know there's give a nod to niall horn and hey how's it going as he walk past and everyone's jovial everyone's happy and um, the the pga commissioner jay monaghan was there nod of the hat Ian Woosnam, I actually had a great chat with Ian Woosnam uh, on the Tuesday afternoon um, because he was playing in a group ahead of me in Royal County Down last year and I said, hey Ian, you were playing you know, I said that you were playing a couple of groups ahead of me in Royal County Down and I was a wump and I couldn't couldn't keep up with you, you were playing some unbelievable golf and we had a good chat with like Ryder Cup legend which was crazy crazy um, and I can keep name dropping, I can keep going you know Paul Casey who just announced he'd signed for live the, the night before um, Tony McCoy walking past Ruby Walsh Keith Wood the who's who of celebrity and sports Michael Carrick uh, John Terry you know Brooks Kepka, um, <laughs> you know Ricky Elliott I saw Ricky Elliott first <laughs> so yeah my experience was beyond top of the charts Um who did I meet? I was actually in the presence of JP McManus. Got a sly wink off JP. And the guy I was carrying for JJ Dunham was, was speaking to. I met Emer McManus, met Niall Horn, as I said, Luke Donald, Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson, Matt Kucher. We, uh, we played with Paul Dunham the first day. We played with Bryson DeChambeau on the second day. Uh, so, of course, I had met and I had plenty of chats with Brian Ziegler, who's Bryson's caddy. 
top 50 PGA golf coach in the States. We had a great chat with friend of the pod, John Murphy, and his caddy, Shane O'Connell. He talked birdie to me at the end of the first day. And I actually met Keith Barton, uh, head of Titleist, with Mark McDonald, head of Modest Golf, who, who, who co-founded that with, uh, with Mr. Horn. And, and that's just those, like, remember, there was plenty more chats from the least some of you, the listeners, so thank you all for... For shouting at me, it was great to meet you all. And some of you managed to bag some swag on both of days as well. I brought down hats and some of those limited edition seed golf balls. So go do some guerrilla marketing for me and lose them all. Fair play. Uh, so yeah, my experience with the reception. The reception hand was unbelievable. You walk through the gates, you get your free ice cream, which was provided by, um, by JP. Uh, for all the spectators from a local Adair ice cream maker and the director of golf. An absolute king. Every query ask request can you have this dropped up through the room in the manner by x amount of people um, and everything dealt with uber cool no panic um i bet he was like a swan though um <laughs> you know the top essence of cool and below the below the surface you know absolute crazy stuff going on but uh, a lot of time for how andy um, dealt with things and dealt with people and super professional and courteous and all like top top class the atmosphere festival like absolute festival like once you got down around the course in the tented village um, the who's who of golf celebrity and business um, I was watching the golf along with half the Dublin panel one stage <laughs> uh, and the Limerick boys uh, the Limerick hurlers were down there as well so you know it's not often you can say oh yeah I was just walking around with the, like, with the Limerick lads <laughs> and calling them an equal group by no means um, uh, are, are we equal in standing with some of them boys? Um, around spectating and watching, uh, people were expecting grandstands. It's a two-day kind of uh, exhibition. So there weren't any grandstands. As a course, you do kind of have to pick your spots um, to watch from I love. First tee, obviously. Uh, you can catch in ninth green, first, first tee. Um, I love... The second tee box gives you approaches of one and two. Stick there for an hour, saunter down to kind of the fourth tee, get kind of three, four, and five. Um, seven tee, you catch the lovely par three on six and, and tee shots on the on the, the par five, seventh hole. So come Ryder Cup, come future Irish Opens and future big events that are there, they will have the grandstands. It'll be a, a full week event, including practice days, etc. So they will have the grandstands. But for the, the two day was adequate. It was a small tented village compared to it being a major. I did hear the merch tent did around 170,000 or so each day. Um, my experience as a caddy was I couldn't get over how brave spectators were in standing so close to like 75% of each group were amateurs. Um, it was funny. Um, our group it wasn't Bryson, but it was the amateurs in the group had a tally on the second day of how many balls they sent into the crowds. Now, luckily, no one, no one did get hurt. But I know I wouldn't have been standing in some of those places. There's thousands watching. Thousands of people were watching us because we were paired with Bryson, and because also the seven or eight groups after us were all marquee groups. We Tiger, Shane Lowry, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, Harrington, McElroy were all after us. Uh, Marikawa, uh, Thomas, thousands of people watching, four or five thousand on each hole uh, from tee to green. 
On day one we played with Paul Dunn and I have to say his ball striking and, and short game was unbelievable. And, and a fella I've been watching from afar, watching through social media. And uh, I really do think he's trending up. Really do think um, he's about to hit a hit a curve and turn a corner and, and really do well for himself. Just needs a few more putts to drop and not get down down in himself. Don't get down yourself, Paul. No, it's tough, but your ball strike was unreal. Short game was dialed in, really dialed in, like fizzy nipper central. And of course, playing with Bryson the second day, playing with Bryson, walking beside Bryson, carrying JJ's bag. First of all, he's a lean guy. You know, he's a couple inches taller than me. He's stacked, man. He's stacked. He's ripped. But he's lean. Like you see him on TV, and sometimes he does. He looks bloated. He looks like an odd shape. A man in person. The guy is an absolute athlete. He could be quarterback for anybody. Um, he definitely take full back or centre back, centre forward line on the GEA team. Full forward. He'd absolutely do a job. He'd annihilate lads. Um, hitting absolute bombs for fun and laser straight I think he missed two fairways all day like bonkers um, hit, a, hit a t-shirt down the first 357 yards 357 yards he had surgery two months ago on his wrist he's not even swinging all out he's got another 8 to 10 miles per hour in the tank he's swinging like 129, 130 he was saying what also caught me was the sensitivities Bryson has and his awareness of of him being um, like a character of the tour and that he sought after for autographs and there was literally hundreds of people and kids and adults screaming and pulling out of him all the way around from the tee box all along the fairway um, when he's finished on the green from, from a green to a tee incessant, endless and it was the same for all, all the marquee players but being that close to it being a couple of feet away from it most of the time like it was loud it was, and then not being able to sign all the autographs because you know you do have to keep play going um, around the ninth, like we I had a chat with him about it because he was saying I was like, look it's fine you know, there's a time and a place for it because there is you know there were some people at least I saw as well taking the J.P. McManus hats and throwing them in front of Bryson for him to sign. And he did it a couple of times and then he just can't throw them, guys, because, you know, they, they fizzed over, um, I think it was John Carr's head, you know? So it got a bit touchy there for a minute or two. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was so, so fun being that close to Bryson um, in person. Um, some people thought I was his guy I was walking so close to him at, at times. Um, but he has that draw about him, Matt. And I have a lot of time for him about how, how he carries himself now. Before, I would have been, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's whatever. But I have a lot of time for him now and how he carries himself and the respect he has for the game and for people. Massive. On Liv, I say, you know, keep your eyes out in the next couple of weeks. Apparently something big is coming. Um, but yeah, that was my experience. Your questions. Um... So yeah, Colin McMahon, question one. What was team entry? Some people I heard said a hundred thousand. That might have been per person. I have some good clarification that it was 250,000 for your team. Now bear in mind, I think for the Irish Open, about 15,000 for your team. 
Um, but also, it all goes to charity. Every single bit. Either way, it's a different strategy or cash. Question 2. John O'Buttery, 91. Did any of the amateurs surprise you? Absolutely. So, John Carr was in our group. Uh, John Carr is a brother of Marty, of Carr Golf, and a brother of Roddy, who was pro for years. And John, in his own right, is a self-made billionaire, I believe, uh, trading oil. But we didn't get into that. But he was in our group, John Carr. 66 years of age, and absolutely bombing it around it there. Like, off the tee. Like, but leave me behind in his wake. Like, hitting a 270, 280, blitzing fairways, milling irons, hauling putts. But what it did show me, and I thought about this Tuesday evening as I drove home to Nace, was I, at 35, have another lifetime of playing golf ahead of me. And it was really quite motivating. I was like, I feel I don't have time to play a lot and blah, blah, blah. John Carr, 66 years of age. I've 35 more years of this. So it was brilliant. And question three from Owen Delahunty. Uh, I think he was there. He was commenting on the, the sheer lack of weeds. Because uh, I put out this question. Uh, what did you see in Adair? What did you hear? Or have you any questions of me? So Owen was saying, yeah, the sheer lack of weeds. Absolutely. Uh, there wasn't a blade of grass out of place. Sam Gallon 93, how did I end up carding? So yeah, through Derek in, in Four Golf, who in turn was asked by John Carr. Um, just lucky, I guess. Um, Alex Walsh, 9101, how the players viewed it, as in the course. So yeah, akin to Augusta National, oftentimes better in a lot of parts. Uh, Bryson's using the course. Yes, it explained it coming off the first, actually. Um, he'd only played it once on the Monday, so we were playing with him on the Tuesday. There was very like Augusta for a lot of the parts. He 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 thought Adair was better, um, especially around uh, the actual grass itself. Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody had had a fault to find. Derek H seventy. Is it as good as it looks? Yes. Uh, Derek says it's Disneyland for golfers. It must be much on TV. It is. It is majestic, and I think I forget the word I said over and over and over. I think it was incredible or awesome, possibly both, uh, in episode 92 with David Bailey. Um, it makes it for a good drinking game. Go to there and every time you say incredible, um, yeah, someone has to take a shot. Uh, John O'Butterly, 91. Um, the format. Oh, this is Johnson's second question. I was confused, so we did go through that in today's podcast. Is it Ryder Cup ready? Adair Manor is ready to host a tournament any given day. Any given day of the week, Adair Manor is ready. Uh, for the Ryder Cup, I believe, um, they're running a five-year growth program on the rough so that to avoid you know, going up the rough just three months in advance and it'll just be falling over itself and um, presenting right. So they're actually growing it up over, over five years. And yeah, Ram's comments came from that. You know, there's no rough. It's very Americanized. So yeah, they're going to grow the rough up to five or six inches. And then if the captain comes along and says he wants it at three, they're able to do that instead of having to grow it um, real high over a short period of time, resulting in the grass falling over itself. So I, ho- I hope that clears things up. Question eight, Rolando. Steve, is the course totally different to before revamp? He's never been there. So routing, no. Golf course, absolutely yes. So we're into that today. Uh, so I hope you can appreciate that. And if you like that kind of stuff, let me know. I have researched for this podcast. It's a day late. I did because I did, was doing a hell of a lot of research. I wanted to get things right. 
So hopefully it's come across well. I'd love to get your feedback on, on this week's episode. Question 9. Stephen Berkeley was presently surprised at Bryson and how he came across. Stephen, sorry to see him go to live. Did Bryson share any insights or tips? Loads of insights into his putting method especially. I won't be doing it anytime soon, but he was decreasing like two variables in his head. So it does make sense. Like it makes complete sense. And the role of the ball for him was phenomenal rolling of the ball. Um, So yeah, tips in general, loads of course management tips. Uh, He takes driver out everywhere because he was on holidays. Uh, I don't think he'll be doing the Ryder Cup. Um, Question 10, Vios. From Vios, yeah. Um, If you don't know who Vios are, just Google it. Vios is in I was, or we were. Um, Lovely golfing gift for you, for the office, for the golfers. For the house, for your golfing friends, golfing partners, who stayed where? So there's 104 rooms in the manor. So many of the players stayed there. Many of the corporates who are billionaires and multimillionaires stayed there. Um, Excellent of the players, including Seamus Power, stayed in the Dunraven Arms. Uh, wives and girlfriends and more corporates stayed there. And we have more were around in, is it the Woodhaven or the Woodbrook Lodge? Uh, which is um, at one end of the estate as well. Nothing to do with JP, but just. Um, the hotel around the corner so thank you all for listening thank you all for getting involved as ever thank you all for entering the raffle I did up the two hats for 64 Process Ireland um, it was really cool to raise that money and donate it uh, 680 euro uh, four times <laughs> nearly four times what I thought I could raise so thank you all for that I hope this episode has been fruitful to your listening ears. If it has, do leave now a review, share it with a friend. And we'll see you next week, same time, well, a day earlier, Saturday, 10 a.m., same bad channel. Um, until we teed up next time, I'm Paddy. <laughs>